Yo, yo, this is Jason Goff from the Full Go Podcast. Me and the crew, we like to entertain you. And we're going to do more of that this football season because the Bears should be more intriguing. There should be more fascination. Justin Fields, is this the make or break year? Is DJ Moore the piece that's going to put them over the top? You can catch us on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays or when we have an emergency podcast when we have breaking news. Make sure you follow the Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring is such a refreshing time of year. Flowers are blooming and you're getting your house in order. But now is also a good time to take a second look at your wireless plan because you might be overpaying. Right now, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash bigpick. That's mintmobile.com slash bigpick. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Okay, Sean, top three movie snacks of all time, go. Um, all right, let me think. Uh, popcorn? Obviously. Hmm. Ice cream? That's two. Oh, and uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, of course. Peanut butter and chocolate is a pretty perfect combination. Some may even say the ultimate movie snack. You can't argue with that. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And this is The Big Picture, a conversation show about the most intriguing movies we've yet to see in 2023. Amanda and I will count down 20 films left on the slate. Break down what they mean for the year in movies, the box office, the Oscar race, our emotional well-being. But first, joining us for a special report from the Toronto International Film Festival is our Canadian correspondent, Mean Pod Guy. It's Adam <laughs> Naiman. Hello, Adam. How are you? Uh, funny, funny you should say that, uh, <laughs> Sean. I have a, I have a big picture themed encounter to uh, to 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 share with you guys. Was uh, minding my own business, hanging around at TIFF, and someone came up to me and asked uh, if I was, in fact, you know, Adam Naiman. And I said, "Why?" And she said, "She's a big fan of the big picture, and that she doesn't understand why everyone says I'm mean." Yes, she, she said. <laughs> okay. So, so then I, I then spent forty five minutes chatting with her, and and she had to conclude at the end that I was, in fact, very nice, as was she. Okay. And, Lovely. And uh, you know, just 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 trying to not be mean in person and save it all for for when I talk to you guys, apparently. Great. Yeah. How do you think your meanness is going to go on this podcast? Well, I've spent uh, seven or eight days uh, running back and forth on home turf to a film festival that's been mostly disappointing. Mm -hmm. While also trying to, like, you know, take care of loved ones and teach a couple classes. So I'm a little grumpy. Yeah. But I'm very, but I'm very happy to see you. Well, thank you. So, I'm I'm happy to see you as well. So I it 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 could go either way. Your meanness to me is not a declaration of your attitude as a human being, but more so the, maybe the relationship that you have to some of the movies that you talk about from time to time, which is ironic because I often try to invite you on for things I know you love. But when you go to TIFF, as you said, your home, home turf, you can't control the environment. Whatever the festival has programmed and whatever you see at that festival is what you're weighing in on. It's been, I would say from afar, it was a, a slightly weaker slate of movies this year compared to relative years and there probably are a variety of factors there but amanda and i were not there we we went to our own festivals you are the official toronto informant here so like 
was there a lot of stuff you liked? Was there anything that you liked? What was your takeaway from the festival in general? I mean, my takeaway from the festival in general, uh, you know, I kind of talked about this in the that curtain raiser piece that I did for for Ringer, which commented on maybe some of the factors about why the programming looked a little bit weaker. I mean, for one thing, there's the ongoing strike, and uh, while you don't want to uh, speculate too much on certain films being invited or disinvited based on red carpet talent, that's a factor. You know, there's the fact that certain films and filmmakers gravitate towards the New York Film Festival, and if not the same size audiences, maybe slightly elevated prestige. So you do feel a little jealous when you see that like poor things by Yorgos Lanthimos or uh, Michael Mann's Ferrari or whatever are, are, are playing in Venice and, and New York and giving Toronto a miss. But I also think that TIFF's been chasing Hollywood for a long time and now it's caught it and Hollywood's a little broken. So the festival looks a little limpy, right? You know? Um, people noted how many like vanity music docs there were. People noted how many movies there were directed by actors kind of being first time directors. And then you got to give the movies a chance and watch them to see if they're as mediocre as it seems. And a lot of them, unfortunately were right. But Tiff's narrative is always curate your own festival within the larger festival. It's hard to go here for 10 days and not see 15 or 20 good movies. If you try but there's 300 and man, the quality can drop off in like a split second if you're not careful. Amanda and I talked about this when we did Venice and Telluride. We talked a little bit about how, how many movies is the right number to see in a day. Mm-hmm. I like to see four, sometimes five. Amanda, in her circumstance, was seeing two, sometimes three. What do you like to do? Um, I like to see one and then run home to my children. No, I mean, I like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, like uh, I, I, I think a three- to four movie day can be pretty, you know, exhilarating, especially if there's like wild shifts of style and tone and quality. Um, I mean, when I was younger and used to cover TIFF for, you know, alternative press in Toronto or whatever, you know, you try and mainline five or six in a day and that's fine when you're in your twenties, but like, you know, I, like you guys, I'm broken. I'm done. Sure, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the attention span isn't there. The posture isn't there. <laughs> Um, you find yourself wondering, you know, what you're doing this, uh, you know, what you're doing this for. Yeah. What does it all mean? I agree. Yeah. Existentially destroyed. I mean, for people who are sort of at home trying to evoke what a festival like TIFF looks like, you know, it's about eight square blocks of the most downtown part of downtown Toronto, just kind of overrun and infested with people wearing lanyards, uh, you know, lining up. Right. And the city, uh, I think in past years really gets kind of seduced and like, you know, caught up in the excitement of TIFF this year. It felt very different. It kind of felt like TIFF was happening and the larger city just didn't really notice. It was like two solitudes going on at, at, at the same time. I just think that like movie going as an out and out event where you go out and, you know, chew over a movie with your friends, it's just kind of being compromised by streamers and COVID and all kinds of other factors. Whereas at Telluride or Venice, you have nothing else to do. Maybe not Venice, but at Telluride, right? Like it's just like a compound for viewing movies as I understand it. Pretty much. And, t- and buying yeah, stents I mean, and hats. That's also something the, you can do there. And Venice, yeah. you're on a separate island. So once you're on the island, you're literally on an island. Yeah. So with TIFF, you are just in the middle of a city where like the Jays are challenging in the playoffs and millions of people are living and going to work. Like it's not like there's no excitement, but it's not as totally immersive as it sort of mm-hmm. used to be. Interesting. You know? Well, tell me, was there anything there that you loved? Um, <laughs> is there anything there that I love? Not loved? your children. I'm, I don't mean your children. <laughs> I know you love your yeah. children in Toronto, but it, at the movies, was there anything that you loved? 
You know, lo- love is a strong word. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> there he is, I th- mean pod guy. I, I think that at least three or four of the movies that will end up chewing over as being you know among the better movies of the year, or certainly better art house movies of the year, were there. Like um, uh, Radu Jude's "Do Not Expect Much from the End of the World," which is crazy and funny and political and probably the only movie at TIFF that features like satire of Andrew Tate alongside jokes about, you know, Godard <laughs> and Ceausescu, like, you know, that's pretty great. And um, a movie that I'm really keen to talk to you guys about, I don't know if either of you saw it, is Richard Linklater's Hitman, which Neither I think is a- seen it. I, I missed what? it by one day. Venice just takes forever. Okay. At the risk yeah. of spoiling a future segment of this episode- it's pretty high. Yeah, on both we're excited. Lists. Yeah, Glenn Powell, if you're listening, you're still invited to a draft. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, uh, all I can just you know is taunt you guys for not seeing it. Yeah. But then, you know, I haven't seen uh, David Fincher's The Killer or Ferrari or the Sofia Coppola Elvis movie, so I think you're winning. At least you know the, the one of you. <laughs> Amanda is doing who, the Amanda who, dance right now. Yeah. For those of you who Amanda, cannot see at home, Amanda's doing the Amanda dance. So you know, I I, I quite like the link later. Um, love is too strong a word for Harmony Kareen's aggro drift, but it's a fun, it's a, it's a, it's a fun movie to talk about. And I think very useful in the context of a festival that shows a lot of very conventional, politically correct kind of edifying work. It's fun to watch something that's kind of like that stupid and virtuosic. I kind of, I I didn't enjoy watching it, but I enjoy thinking about it and talking about it and, and, and writing about it. Um, and uh, for for another publication for for Cinemascope, you know, I wrote about the new Adam McGowan movie Seven Veils as being kind of a return to form, which may not be like headline news for Americans, but for Canadians, we don't have that many famous directors, and for McGowan to kind of make something that has a little bit of that '90s juice, mm-hmm. you know, is 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 pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's you know plenty, plenty of good movies, but some of them feel like movies that had been just you know found already. Like obviously, Jonathan Glazer's Zone of Interest, major piece of work. You know, like that's a Cannes Prize winner. So is Catherine Brayat's Late Summer, which I which I uh, liked a lot. So you know, I, the curtain raiser piece I did for you guys was just more about the general politics and state of the festival. But like, there is good stuff. Was there anything you really didn't like? Uh, I felt like. Uh, this is not, I really didn't like, but like, I felt like Alexander Payne's holdovers, like being beaten to death with a Cat Stevens album. It's like very, <laughs> Adam, very thank you for justifying. I have absolutely no basis for being not that psyched about that film. And then that, thank you for justifying that instinct. It's like a very sort of like incrementally manipulative sort of movie. And I thought that it was interesting because the reviews, <laughs> the the reviews kind of just replicated like the press kit. The press kit is like this movie, you know, evokes the 70s movies of Hal Ashby. And then the reviews are like, you know, this reminds me of Hal Ashby in the 70s. And I'm like, oh, good. The press notes work. But I mean, it's still, an, but it's still an accomplished movie. Um you know, I thought that supposedly the worst movie at the festival, I didn't see it, but the word on the street is that Chris Pine's Pool Man is unwatchable. Yes. Yeah. Um, I read some very have, negative reviews. Have you seen any stills film. of how Chris Pine is presenting himself in his own film? Yeah, I must say it made me want to see it. I'm always so disappointed. He is. By this. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Chris Pine, and it just seems like another bro who, you know, really likes. 70s like L.A. Noir, yeah, noir to, films, yeah, yeah. to like, trying to do his own weird thing. Yeah, I like the la- the long goodbye. Yeah. Here's my version of it. I think um that that does underline something interesting, which is like a lot of actors 
clearly directed films and appeared at the festival as directors and not as actors. Um, and there was a significant uptick in the number of those folks. Did you see any of those movies? Uh, I saw a, a, a lot of them, and you'll notice I didn't lead with them. Um, <laughs> I see. You know, I, I had one, uh, the, the, you know, one movie that got a kind of mixed reception that I was kind of surprised as many people liked it as they did. But it's like just he's a kind of interesting person to see make a movie is um, Michael Keaton with this movie Knox Goes Away, mm-hmm. which is one of like seven movies this fall that is about a hitman. I, I don't know mm-hmm. who's going to write the zeitgeist piece on this, but like. Fincher, Linklater, you know, this movie, this idea of contract killing is is in in in, in America right now. And he plays a, a, a you know, a, a really cool assassin who's succumbing to accelerated uh, memory loss and dementia. So he's kind of got to get his ducks in a row before that overtakes him. And so it's like, you know, Keaton making himself this sort of actorly showcase to play a character with, you know, dealing with a disability and 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 an illness. And it, it, like it kind of feels like a fake movie, though. It's like interesting. Because, you know, what would Michael Keaton, who's worked with all these great directors, like, what does it look like when he makes a movie? But the answer is, like, nothing, you know, hugely special. Um, I saw the Finn Wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I ask you, well, just a a personal uh, interest question about Knox Goes Away. If you see any merch (laughs) on the street available, like, special edition, I don't know if you know, my son's name is Knox. So I'm just looking for anything... You know, it doesn't seem like that's going to be like wide release merch (laughs) based on the reception. So just anything you spot. I think it's going to be mass produced and sold at the Gap. Yeah, just let me just let me know, and we would be interested. I like. I I would have brought you my like ticket stub. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Yeah, Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think there's going to be any Knox goes away merch. You know, I saw the. The Finn Wolfhard uh, co-directed slasher movie, uh, One Hell of a Summer or Hell of a Summer, which is uh, all I can say is like, that's just my mistake. <laughs> you know, <laughs> How like, old is Finn Wolfhard? Is he 23? Like, I, I, I don't know. And, and I don't care to know, you know, um, he, 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 he <laughs> no mean. one can, that is actually- no, no one can say he didn't make this movie. And that his name, <laughs> Adam, that, that, that Finn his Wolfhard name is 20 years old. Well, maybe he should relax. <laughs> okay. Honestly, Do, right. I mean, give him a, a credit he's for 20. trying. He, he's creating. Know, he's a maybe, young man in the industry. Maybe he should sit and learn and listen a little bit longer. You know, he should. Yeah, he, he, he should. He should. He, okay, that's he, a he, crushing he, dreams he, he, here on the pod. He he needs to wolf harder. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it was it was it, it's You're just not very that good. Joke. I can't believe you it, made that joke. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's just not very good. You know, the, the midnight madness section is usually like an oasis of a fun little breaks in the middle of the festival. And I think the good ones must've been the ones I missed. Although I will say there's an Argentinian horror thing called when evil lurks or where evil lurks, which is pretty, which is pretty good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And I think is going to be on, on shutter. So that was kind of best in show in terms of the, like, uh, you know, the, 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 the kooky midnight sort of, um, sort of genre stuff. And uh, n- neither of you have seen Agro Drift yet, right? No. No, I haven't. Well, uh, Amanda's husband yeah. profiled Harmony Corinne um, um, yeah, for GQ. He was in Miami for a while with Harmony and I think had a wonderful time. Yeah. Um, but the Venice premiere was at midnight. Uh, and that's kind of out of my uh, ability zone right now. I've also paid... Um, $50,000 American to watch it inside of a box designed by Harmony alone for several consecutive days, which I'm really excited about. It's just a special experience. 
you know, donating the proceeds to charity. So I look based on your <laughs> review, I, I'm I'm excited. You're gonna. It's Travis Scott, like you've never seen him before. Yeah, I'll bet. Is, well, be, which, I mean, I haven't is, seen much That's of him, factually so. accurate. <laughs> which is which is to say in in infrared, right? Um, I mean, I, 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 but I'm curious, you know, asking about, asking about Telluride and asking about Venice. I mean, like, are the vibes in those places good? People are feeling like happy as they're trekking <laughs> off to, 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 to what they're well, saying, to, to, to what they're saying. Aren't you? My goodness. Uh, Telluride. Yeah. The vibes were very good. I think a lot of people felt like Telluride was really back, not just because it was the 50th year for the festival, but because the, the, the programming was pretty good. The films were really good this year, I thought, especially relative to 21 and 22, which were very compromised by what right. was happening in the world. So, yeah, I thought so. And, yeah, I mean, I mean the, the vibes in Venice were I'm in Italy, you know? <laughs> so that was awesome. I think it was my first time at Venice, and I think, like, the general understanding was it was, like, a little less glitzy than it usually is because that's a pretty you know, glamorous festival. And I went to a lot of Netflix premieres where there were obviously, like, no stars. And then I did go to the Priscilla premiere, um, which had a waiver, and so Sofia Coppola was there, and the children were screaming for Jacob Elordi. And, you know, that was... That was fun. It was just also like a lot of Italian influencers in prom dresses. I don't know whether that's the vibe that you're looking for. Uh, but I was highly entertained. Uh, and, you know, as you said, I saw a lineup of pretty heavyweight stuff. So that was fun. Well, well, actually, one of the best movies I saw here won a prize at Venice. I didn't mention it, but um, I was very fond of uh, right, uh, of uh, Hamaguchi's Evil Does Not Exist, yes, which I've... is certainly an odd way to follow up Drive My Car, but very good. <laughs> that was sort of what Amanda had said. I Yes, I was as well. I would like to talk about the ending with you and everyone else once um, that's possible for everyone. But um, right. yeah, the score in particular I've been thinking about a lot. It's so beautiful in that movie. Beautiful. And, yeah. And it was, a, as I said, like I saw, you know, Maestro and Ferrari and uh, Poor Things and all of these like very, you know, big swinging for the fences, like Hollywoodish movies, for lack of a better word, and then got to see that. And it was a nice change and a great film. As you were talking about the holdovers, I was thinking a bit about the audience award. You know, as we're speaking, it has not been handed out yet, but the mm -hmm. audience award is often a predictor of Best Picture nominees historically, sometimes even winners in the case of movies like Green Book. Um, I, I, have have a, I have a prediction, but could go well, ahead. Well, I, I have seen two movies proffered as potential winners. Um, I've seen the holdovers, and I'm trying to forget. It, it's not Next Goal Wins. That wasn't the yeah, one that I Yeah, do you saw. have any Next Goal Wins material? I have no next goal wins material. I can just say that um, when uh, when Taika Waititi gave Sean Levy a TIFF tribute award, it was really a case of artists of equivalent stature, uh, ma major artists being uh, being being feted at this festival. Okay. Um, no, I did I, I did I did not see next goal wins. Okay. Um, I think I think a really good contender is American Fiction. That was what yeah. the one I was thinking of and what I was going to ask you about, which neither Amanda or I have seen yet, but have I've heard great things about it. It has. Uh, on top of the things that it has kind of going for it as a movie, um, it would be a very funny TIFF Audience Award winner in the context of previous TIFF Audience Awards where, uh, you know, as has probably been chewed over on this podcast, films like Green Book and Three Billboards, you know, were like wildly embraced in Toronto. And then when more people saw them and critics, let's say, of different, you know, backgrounds or, 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 or critics with different angles on these movies saw them, they sort of became huge kind of like problematic discourse 
topics and American fiction is about that process, right? Of mm-hmm. like who is who is watching, who is reading, who is evaluating, who are these things for and really what does it mean when a when a when, when a work in the case of this film you know, by 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 black artists supposedly dealing with themes, you know, African American themes, when it's embraced by a, a white audience, like what does that say about the work, and what does that say about the audience? So, if American fiction were to win at TIFF, it would either suggest that TIFF's audience has gotten much more self-aware, or like somehow even less, mm, right? Which right. would be in terms of who the laughs in that movie are directed at. I definitely think that considering his career as one of the great American actors, it'd be nice to see Jeffrey Wright get an Oscar nomination for this thing because he's amazing in it. I like that idea. I like that movie as a sleeper best picture contender to shake up what is already kind of codifying. You know, the film is written and directed by Cord Jefferson. I don't know if you know Cord. You know, I'm friendly with Cord. Uh, He comes from the same digital media minds that we do and has become a very successful TV writer. And this is his first film. So looking forward to seeing it. I I mean, it's a film I can say. The press screening was nonstop laughter, right? Like it, it, the, the jokes landed, a lot of it landed very well. I wrote, you know, I, I wrote a small thing about it somewhere already. I think it's pretty good. Um, and I do predict it'll win the audience award. We'll just have to see if enough people saw it because it kind of just becomes, it's about what films play the biggest houses. So we'll, we'll see. Okay. Um, well, since we're about to talk about our most anticipated movies of the rest of the year, Adam, is there is there one that you're greatly anticipating that you want to that you haven't seen yet that you want to shout out? Yeah, well, I'm obviously dying to see the 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 David Fincher movie. You know, being a, a fan of his and having just you know written a book about him, like it's the first movie that he's put out since the the book was published. Just meaning that it's the first movie that I'm like, oh, I wish I'd waited, right? Whether I like it or not, you know, I'm going to mm. immediately look at it and sort of try and like reconcile mm-hmm. it with larger themes or ideas about the director. So obviously uh, I, I'm excited to see that one. And there's a kind of like car crash curiosity I have about this new Exorcist movie because I'm just so puzzled by mm-hmm. this David Gordon Green as like the new steward of old horror franchises. And I just kind of I just want to see it for myself instead of just assuming it's it's going to be no good. It's going to come up on our list. We'll discuss it. Okay. I, whether Amanda is going to go see it is one of the most intriguing questions of 2023 for me personally. But um, I mean, it really it just depends on the calendar and whether you can start buying your movie tickets in the in the right time zone. <laughs> I'll tell that story in the future. Uh, Adam, thank you so much. Congratulations yeah. on surviving another Toronto International Film Festival. Um, I think people will hear you back on the show and we're talking about the best movies of the year in maybe five or six weeks or maybe even before then if something crumbs up. Is it only in five or six weeks? I mean, the first week of December, it's already... Oh, no, sorry. Ten weeks. Ten weeks? Ten weeks. I was like... I misspoke. Okay, calm down. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm here to to anger people, you know, on Reddit anytime you want. I'm I'm, I'm here (laughs) to, to come in and, you know, talk about, you know, obscure foreign language movies that apparently, you know, Connote no sense of humor. Sounds sounds good to me. Oh, you know, you know what the thing I want to see more than anything is is yeah. the curse, the curse, which is the Showtime series with Nathan Fielder and yeah. Betty Safdie yeah. and Emma Stone that's playing at the NYFF. That's number one by like uh, a mile. I guess it's not a movie, that's but not everything's a film, con- Adam. come on for Christ's sake. But, every, but everything's content now. Yeah, and it's no, and it's playing that's... at the and it's and it's playing at the New York Film Festival. So my vote is the curse all the way. Okay, Adam, I'm getting a note from our producer that we need to eject you from the show permanently for recommending a TV show. Thank you so much. Always so nice to see you. It's great to see you, Adam. It was was finally bound to happen. You guys take care. (laughs) Thanks, Adam. Bye. 
This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring is such a refreshing time of year. Flowers are blooming and you're getting your house in order. But now is also a good time to take a second look at your wireless plan because you might be overpaying. Right now, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash bigpick. That's mintmobile.com slash bigpick. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Okay, we're back. Adam's gone. Thank you to Adam. Truly the best. Uh, I don't want this to be a conversation about all the movies we have seen. Okay. For our purposes in this discussion, we did list all the movies we have already seen. So, you know, some of them are, are big, right? Some of them are important films like The Zone of Interest, which Adam just mentioned, like Ferrari, like Priscilla. You know, we've talked through some yeah. of those. This is really about, really about like what is a mystery to us? Yes. What are we intrigued by? Now, when I originally started um, brainstorming the list, I did order them mm-hmm. in my levels of anticipation. And then I thought that's not collaborative at all. Right. That's no fun. So we're going to negotiate it on the podcast. I think so. I think we're going to say, here's what we're most excited about. So can I just, can I say one thing that's happened, like, honestly, since we have been recording? Yes. Because you multitasked and you were editing this document even as you were recording. As always. I am always at work. And we said we weren't going to talk about movies that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to talk about movies that we've seen. Right. Even though you and I only have a few in common. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a fun part of this year, I think. Which it is. So, but there was one movie that was just dead on number one yes. on the list. Yes, um, It's It's a film called Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> and you went to see it yesterday. I did. And so did. you just took it off the list. Now, I am seeing it tomorrow. Uh-huh. And so I guess to to include it in this exercise, it's like not fair under the guise of the exercise. But I don't know. I'm really I'm really looking forward to it. And I think for most of our listeners, it's top of the list. Before I saw it, I think it was, with maybe the exception of being a teenager and anticipating the Star Wars prequels, mm-hmm. my most anticipated movie over a long period of time ever. Because it was... 2017 when Marty, Leo DiCaprio, and Robert De Niro publicly expressed interest in adapting David Grant's book. So that's, I think it was October of 17. Okay. So that's six years that I was thinking about getting a chance to see Killers of the Flower Moon. Now he made The Irishman in between that time. but Great film. Um, I'm not going to say anything about what I think about it. It is kind of awkward though, because it did play can. You know, there are there are a lot of reviews sure, yeah, of the film. Yeah, like yeah. we know what people thought. I didn't really read anything. I didn't want to know anything. Nor did I. I as you know, I agonized over even seeing the trailers of the movie. Right. And you turned it off. Right. I watched the first one. I've seen some stills. The first one I watched in full and loved. The second one I started to watch and didn't I like didn't and didn't it. want to see anything. <gasps> you didn't like it? I just didn't like how it was cut. I didn't like how they were presenting the movie. All right. Okay. Um, but that's a whole other nope, that's just for me. Nobody okay. cares about that. Okay. Um we won't talk about the movie. You're seeing it tomorrow. I am. Um, it's it's a it's a huge huge movie. But but I mentioned it just to say we're gonna we're gonna do this exercise. Um, but everyone listening at home has probably not seen any of the movies. Of course. Of so course. we are leaving off Priscilla, Ferrari, Maestro, The Killer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Zone of Interest, All of Us Strangers, Saltburn. Like you know all yeah. of Four Things is a huge one. Yeah. yeah. The Bike Riders. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of movies. Anatomy that we've of seen. Fall. Yeah. If you want to hear us talking about some of those movies. What's good about them without spoiling them? We did talk about them on our 
This is just to say, like, you at home, you are not invisible. We know you're excited about those. We were too. Then we saw them. Then we also are excited about them, and we're not going to spoil it for you. The majority of those movies are sort of prestige awards films, some of which have commercial upside. But there's a lot of movies on the list we've made here that are commercial plays that we don't know very much about. Um, I basically just did this off the top of my head. Okay. Where do you? Where would you like to start? You want to pick a movie that you're like, I'm not really that interested in this, so this is number twenty. Or do you want to say, here's my number one movie of no, the rest of the year that I'm excited with, about? Let's start with not that interested. You know. Okay. So we can work our way up to optimism. I came in here in a good mood. We're you did. Like, yeah, we're like excited You've been doing about great films. lately. Thanks so much. You're I, you're working your way back, and I'm here yeah, for you. I feel I feel good today. Okay. I think thank you for your support. Okay, you're so welcome. Did you think the Denzel draft was okay? I thought that you were in an incredibly dark place, and then Aaron <laughs> Rodgers got injured, and I was oh, like, yeah. can I get a wellness check on Sean? Um, Nobody even really knows what's been going on with me. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine all the other stuff that you know what's going on with me no, once it that was happened. Like, it was like, I think Zach and I took Knox like, on a walk, yeah. and I, I genuinely think that Chris texted Zach just to be like, Aaron Rodgers is hurt so that then, like, the phone tree of checking on you and, like, how are we going to manage this could be activated, right? And Chris and Zach was like, oh, no. And Z- then I was like, okay, I, I like, are we, where's Sean? Where's Eileen? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, Zach and Chris were very, very sweet. Yeah. As was Andy. They were all very sweet to me that okay. night on Monday night. But then the first time I saw Chris on Tuesday morning, yeah. he was like, you see what happened to Aaron Rodgers to me? As soon as he saw me. <laughs> so Sorry. that was mean. Um, I'm, I'm doing okay. The Aaron Rodgers thing, I, is one more, one more moment in my life where I'm like, I'm right. I'm right to feel the way I feel about how the world works. I am, I'm, <laughs> I am absolutely right. My cynicism is completely justified and nothing is good and pure. No matter what else happens in the world, Sean, mm-hmm. at large or to you, yep. it is, um, reassuring to know <laughs> that you can twist things. Mm-hmm. To feel that you were right. Yeah, Hunter, you know? Hunter like Biden indicted today. You'll I was right. never lose. <laughs> as long as you have that, I know you're okay. okay. You know what I mean? That's my true north. So is, that, am I right? That is, that's <laughs> actually the wellness check. And you're back. Uh, I'm so back. What's, what's, what, what's the movie you were going to say? Well, you have dream scenario up here, mm-hmm. which is like another, you know, Nick Cage thought experiment. Mm-hmm. I'm good. You're not interested. Well, I, I mean, like, I'm, if it's funny, it's funny. It seemed as though, and we did not mention this with Adam, it seems as though it played quite well yeah. at TIFF. Um, this is a kind of Charlie Kaufman-esque movie from Christopher Borgley, who made a movie earlier this year called Sick of Myself, which I actually like quite a bit. Right. Um, it's an A24 movie. It is a comedy. Do you want, should I read the premise? Go ahead, please. Paul Matthews, a schlubby professor who never made it, becomes an overnight celebrity after appearing in everyone's dream. So. Mm-hmm. Nick Cage's character has appeared in the dreams of every living human. Mm -hmm. That's the premise of the movie. Now, you don't really... Well, you like being John Malkovich, do you not? Yeah, I do. So you like movies like this. And I like adaptation. And I like, you know, I like... I'm sure it'll be good. But you asked me to start with a thing where I'm just like... "Mm," Okay. Shrugging slightly. Okay. And it's not because it doesn't sound interesting. It's like I, I do feel like I have seen some version of all of these things before. Okay. Now... Sometimes I really like seeing something that I know and like in a it, with a twist in a new and charming way. 
but you asked me to rank, and and I'm ranking. So I'm dream scenario seriously. is behind the exorcist colon believer. Because the exorcist strikes me as a uniquely difficult film for you. Yes, but also it's so canon that like it's not scary anymore. Do you know what I mean? I in general I agree with you about that idea, but not the exorcist. Maybe it's my catholic upbringing. The exorcist I, is scary. Well, to this day to me. Yeah, I don't And really, I don't ever get scared. I I think that I don't believe in in the supernatural. You don't believe in the devil. We're, I want you to go on the record here, officially. Does the devil exist? No. Okay. Well, the de- <laughs> if the devil exists, he fucking heard you say it, and you're in big trouble. Okay? I just like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't really care. I don't believe it. We're going to talk about it more. We're doing a haunted house episode. I can't and wait. so we're talking about that. I'm just like, mm, nah. you know? Oh, I, that's not no, a place of fear. Like, are you more afraid no. of just like a man with a chainsaw? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All all of the weird ghost stuff. Now, obviously, the way that, like, The Exorcist is made and, and cut and, uh, like, yeah. the possessions, et cetera, mm-hmm. and, like, the body snapping back. Bobby's come on the screen. Bob, Bobby. Bobby has a thought. Okay, Bobby. <laughs> I would in. just like to point out that in the span of about four minutes, it went from Sean saying, I'm right about everything with regards to the New York Jets, to then looking you straight across the table and saying, do you believe in the devil? Go on the record. <laughs> It's, I just don't call it that moment. Yeah, have you met us? <laughs> We're back, Bobby. You just like ratcheted up the intensity so hardcore right there. That was. Do really you believe in the special. devil, Bobby? I yeah, I do. Yeah. You do? <laughs> okay. Come on, from an Italian Catholic family. Yeah. Come on. Come on. I don't know. I, can't I let guess my it's like I, I. Forefathers hear me saying that I don't believe in the devil. Yeah, maybe it's that I'm missing that like deep generational Catholic. Do you feel that you live with guilt, the weight of guilt in your life? Yes, of course. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a very Catholic thing. Yeah, but that isn't related to the devil. Like, the devil isn't all of us, you know? Well, is that the devil's playtime is when you're feeling that Uh, You can't outsource it. You're personally responsible for it. Like, that's the issue. Oh, my God. I'm really sorry. Wow. Well, That's like borderline MAGA. That's actually quite dangerous, that idea. I don't know what to tell you. That's... Okay. No, MAGA is... Blaming- You're responsible for your own well-being. You are. It's not the systems. No, but MAGA is just being like, I, I didn't do anything wrong. It was the devil, you know? <laughs> okay? Just some made-up being inhabited a okay. child we're, and then... We're, we're coming back to this after you okay. join me to watch the film The Exorcist I, I Believer. Also, the number of... Like, when both our children were in the like five month to nine month phase of existence mm-hmm. where their control of their body is evolving mm-hmm. but definitely can be unnatural and there was like a real exorcist element into wh- the way they would move around yeah. you know yep. and it's also just made it less scary for me I'm just like eh, that's just how babies move okay this and is a very strong take from okay. one of our foremost bible scholars that there is no <laughs> devil <laughs> I mean I would have to go back. So the thing about when we talk about the Bible is then like some people, like biblical scholars listen to this podcast and they weigh A number of clergy men and women. I know, and they're wonderful. And I don't want to disrespect their knowledge, but I am a little bit like, is the devil text-based? Text-based? You know, in the 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 Bible. Like, are they on WhatsApp? No, no, no. Is the devil on WhatsApp? (laughs) 
Are you on WhatsApp? I'm not. I'm not. Nor am I. Um, is your communication is the devil appear in the Bible? Yes, your, the devil does. Yeah. Where? Um, I'm. I don't know which books, but yeah, there's the idea of like the fallen angel. But okay, what I'm saying is that that is in shit. I gotta Google. Okay, Paradise Lost. Which John is it? John, it's John Milton. Milton. Yeah. But that is not in the Bible. That's added later. That's 1500s. I is I think the 1600s, I, 1667. I'm googling that's this time. The idea you guys of aren't Satan gonna... arrives in. No, I think that it arrives somewhere else. But I'm almost positive the idea of Satan is in the Bible. I don't know whether it is. It's, I think it's all New Testament. I'm almost positive. I'm almost is it po- in Revelation? Almost, they never taught us. Revelation. I don't. I don't know what book it's, it's in. It's not in the Gospels. I'm almost positive it's in the New okay. Testament. Okay. I'm just. I'm literally okay. Wikipedia. Satan, also known as the devil, and sometimes also Lucifer is in, in Christianity. Okay, hold on. Hebrew Bible. Well, in the book of Job, he appears as the, oh, okay. the partner of God. There we who, go. Who, on behalf of God, puts okay. the righteous one to the test. Okay. So, yes. New Testament, Gospels. Oh, of course, he tempts Jesus in the desert. Right, okay, right, all right, all right, all right. Well, See, this is now... You're undermining your your biblical I, as historicity. I was saying, you know? As okay. I was saying, okay. Okay. I I'm not all you, knowing. Should we have Bobby cut this out for your no, own sake? Are, this, you, are you willing to be vulnerable to live this? Live googling. I'm willing to be vulnerable. Because I, this is what the devil does. The devil <laughs> makes you think that the devil is a construct from John Milton and not a core text in the Word of God. The angel falling from heaven is, in fact, from John Milton. So I just wanted to explore. And I said that I needed to Google because I'm not an expert like the many clergy people who listen to this podcast. It's been a while since I read the New Testament. And here we are. We learned from Wikipedia. I think you you should consider running for to be the next pope. (laughs) (laughs) Given your expertise. Uh, And her her love for Italy. (laughs) Yeah. It could be a a nice relocation. That's a really good point. Really nice real estate. More of a Rome thing. Yeah. Vatican City close to Rome, not so close to Venice. Rome is wonderful. I like it. I like it. I've been. You go, you just are fixated on the heat. Just don't go in August. I I visited Chinachita. Yeah, that's amazing. Where uh, Marcello Mastriani was filming. Rome's an amazing city. I'd love to be based there. I think I could get on board with the robe lifestyle. And cool shoes, you know, and the little hats. Okay, we're moving on. Uh, <laughs> what's another film? You want me to pick one? Yeah. The vibes were bad on Pain Hustlers coming out of the uh, coming out of the, the yeah. National Film Festival. This is the new movie from um, David Yates, uh, starring Chris Evans and Emily Blunt. And this is a movie, I believe, about the um, opioid crisis and those who were selling opioids to America. There have been a lot of store, like projects around this story. There was the Michael Keaton series on Hulu. There's a Netflix Peter Berg series right now going. Um, there have been a lot of documentaries about this story. This one is framed as a kind of like pain and gain or big short-esque presentation of like right. the outsized characters that were powering this moment in history. Um, the reviews are bad. Yeah. I mean, were you really expecting this to be like a searing insight into the No, but in the, the par- continuing opioid crisis? No, but in the I mean, parlance of the Bill Simmons, bloodshed, I have you know? Emily Blunt season tickets. So do I. So I wanted it to be and, good. And those season tickets have taken me through some not great movies and mm-hmm. some great movies, you know? You you can't pick every single one correctly unless you're Leonardo DiCaprio, I guess. That's true. Okay. Well, Pain Hustlers would be pretty low on my list. Next goal wins. Now, this is um 
the new film from Taika Waititi, mm-hmm. whose uh, stature as a world filmmaker has been diminished pretty significantly in the last five years. Yeah. There was a time when he was very near the top of the most exciting auteurs working in the world. And his last few movies have been very poorly received. And he has become much more famous. And I think that that has really worked against him in a lot of ways. This movie was filmed in 2019. It's about a Sorry, I was just team. thinking about the little children collecting metal for Hitler and Jojo Rabbit. That's a real movie that was made. Not, not a fan of that movie. Okay. Um, neither were you. We were not fans of no. that movie. At the time, I think people were like, oh, you're too hard on Jojo Rabbit. It's like Jojo Rabbit. That was wild, wildly ill-conceived. No. Um, this one stars Michael Fassbender. It was made a long time ago. It has apparently gone through a number of kind of Didn't they reimaginings have to and reshoots. Shoot all of it to cut Army Hammer out of the film. Uh, the rumor is that there was an entire storyline, right? That not just related to Army Hammer, but something else about the approach of the film. This is just speculation, but that it was entirely cut. Right. Um, the movie played okay at TIFF. It seemed like the critics who were mad were big mad, and some were more warm towards it. Um. I it's a it's a Fox Searchlight movie. I mean, this is a yeah. you know, one of the most dependable studios in the last twenty years in America. So I'm not going to write it off completely, but it doesn't really feel like my cup of tea. It's a little bit of like a very self conscious attempt to recreate the kind of feel good sports dramedy of the late '90s, and I'm 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 not so sure. Will you see it? I will see it. Okay, I see movies for this podcast. You are more interested in that film than Dream Scenario. Sometimes you want to see, I mean, this is a bad sentence to say out loud, but like when something has gone that wrong, sometimes you kind of want to yeah. see what's going on. You're you know? the reason that we have traffic in America because well, you're I a know. rubbernecker. I know. That's why I was like, I'm going to actually adjust my sentence to not be like, sometimes you want to see a train wreck because you don't actually want to see a train wreck, but you do want to see how poor, like the movie that they cut to shreds and then recut and held for four years. And is it? Bad for Michael Fassbender that this movie is opening the week after The Killer is released on Netflix, or is it good? Michael Fassbender lives in Portugal and races cars. And then (laughs) on his downtime, Uh he's like, sure, I'll be in a David Fincher movie. Michael Fassbender is doing fine and doesn't care. Have you read much about Ava DuVernay's new film? I've read a little bit. This is another movie that premiered at... um, Venice. Venice, that's the film festival I went to. At Venice after I left. And so I wasn't able to see it. And it seems interesting. Yeah, so it's based on a nonfiction book called Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents that Isabel Wilkerson wrote. And in attempting to adapt it, Ava DuVernay turned the film essentially into the story of Isabel Wilkerson's life. Right. Casting uh, Ingenue Ellis, wonderful actor. If you saw King Richard, you know what a talented performer she is. And John Bernthal among other people, and it sort of takes us through the idea of a caste system and racial bias and the way that people of color experience the world. Neither of us have seen it, obviously. I would say mixed reviews it's received thus far. And it's been a long time, I think, since David DuVernay has made a movie that I've been excited about. She has worked in some, done some TV series that I thought were cool, but the Wrinkle in Time situation, that was like a real, Yeah, that was tough. sure this is going to work? I also, at this point, feel that the journalist telling the story of how they came to write the story as an adaptation uh, move is a little bit tired on the other side. Mm-hmm. Angenou Ellis is amazing. Mm-hmm. So I think that she can probably do with it, um, do more with it than say like 
a phoned-in TV show to, you know, not to call out Anna Delvey or whatever, but mm. that's just, I don't know, we've been doing a lot of that. Uh, interesting cast in this movie. Vera Farmiga, Audra McDonald, Nisi Nash-Betts, Nick Offerman, Blair Underwood, the brutally underused Blair Underwood, uh, Jasmine Sifa jones Interesting. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm curious about it, but I did read a couple of reviews that had me slightly concerned. Okay. I just want to say you have Wonka really high here on this list. So that's my, that's my train wreck. Oh, okay. So I thought you were going to go a different direction. Uh, Wonka is a trailer that I did see because I went to the movies mm-hmm. and they showed it. Um, Have you seen the Paddington films? Yes, but only without sound on an airplane okay. uh, because not... my son wanted to watch them. And then we put it on and Knox just started saying, woof, woof. And I was <laughs> like, well, <laughs> that's a bear. He knows the sound. He knows what sound bears make. What though. do they make? Rawr. It's very it's good. really really good. Yeah. We um, got to do Amanda's animal sounds as like an audio book. That would be really good. <laughs> uh, Paul King, the director of Paddington mm-hmm. and Paddington Two. Well, so when directed I directed Wonka, so everyone lost their mind when the Wonka, Wonka trailer debuted at Comic Con and was like, "What a disaster!" Is it Comic Con? Not Comic Con. What's the other one? CinemaCon. I don't know. That's okay. all the same. All right. Uh, They're not, but all right. <laughs> <okay>. Continue. <laughs> CinemaCon. Yep. And everyone was like, what has happened to our beautiful Timothy Chalamet? And this is a disaster. I don't know. It looks like they made a movie for children. It's looks <laughs> fine. Like, children need movies, you too. You think you're being nice, but you're being really rude. Well, both can be true. So they made a movie for children. What's very interesting. We have children. We, we do. Well, I don't know if I, this is what I want, Alice. To, this is, I don't, I, I don't want her to experience Knox cinema loves, like this. Knox loves musicals. He watches Sesame Street now and when they stop singing, he says more because he wants them to keep singing. So love maybe it. he'll love Wonka. Sesame That's fine. Street is elite. Yeah. Truly elite. Uh, I've learned so much about how vegetables are grown. <sighs> Cookie and Cookie and Gonger, man. Gonger, yeah, I know. Gon- they're just getting after they it. They made cauliflower. Yeah, this rice is this where morning. quinoa comes it's from. Incredible. Can you believe it? But I didn't know veggie burgers. This I is how we make how them. They farm cinnamon. Yeah, it's amazing. Just, it, tremendous stuff. Genuinely great show. The thing with Wonka is, I don't think most people know what you just said, which is that it's a musical. There are no songs in the trailer. There's no Timothy Chalamet singing in right. the trailer. So because of that, I think there's a little bit of a false situation here. Now, Paul King is talented at making these kinds of movies for kids, but it it looks like it could be bad. The other thing is that the original is very dear to me. And I think a lot of and millennials, I wanna, Gen X... I want to tell you right now, no one's taking it away from you. And also, if you tried to show it to Alice right <laughs> uh-huh. now, I think she would start weeping. It's and a deranged she movie. never eat a blueberry again. It is a, de- a wonderfully deranged movie. That's and actually a blueberry very, is what's powering us day to day. So that is a, a perfect. Eileen and I were having a conversation last night yeah. about how um, Beetleju- Beetlejuice two is happening. Okay, and how crazy that is, and how weird, but how much I love Beetlejuice. And I was like, Beetlejuice, that's the kind of movie that like is not on the rewatchables. That is really like a me movie. That's like something I really liked. I really liked as a kid. The same way Bill is like Cobra mattered to me when I was nineteen right. or whatever. I'm like Beetlejuice mattered to you me. You gonna when go I was, to the touring show? Uh, I'm and not will you behave in, yourself? No, I'm not interested in that. No, I, I know that story. <laughs> uh, but Willy Wonka is another example of a movie that will never appear on the rewatchables, but yeah. that I, isn't just immensely rewatchable. I mean, I've seen it so many times. Um, and probably in the has not aged well corridor, like is a movie about a sociopath. 
Yes. Um, as opposed to a young boy who's trying to have his dreams come true <laughs> because Gene Wilder is such a genius. I wonder if this movie will have any of that edge. I feel like probably not. No, I. it seems like the point is that it doesn't have the edge unless your child won't start crying. Okay. Um, and maybe you'll be weirded out, but the kid will just be like, I don't know, he makes candy and sings. I think because movies like Dune part two have moved to next year there is like a lot of weight on its shoulders in terms of box office yeah. like it's one of the biggest movies is it the biggest movie that's opening this winter I, I mean well you have a lot of honorable mentions down here I mean the Marvels and Aquaman are obviously comic book movies the second Aquaman film so right. there's a lot riding on those but beyond that Rebel Moon part one that's the Snyder movie that's a Netflix film though okay not opening I mean that's if it opens right. in theaters it'll be shortly that is going to be a big movie though I mean that's his that movie is, I know you don't care about this, but I'm going to keep saying it. I don't know. I, I'm, he don't, wanted to make Star Wars, but he wasn't invited. So exactly, he made Star Wars. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? There I have, think what we've learned from the most recent spate of content is that everyone should get a chance to make their own Star Wars movie because everyone loves it. Well, I think if you're being generous to Zack Snyder, you can say whoever is in charge of making Star Wars stuff right now should not be. Okay. Because of the way that a lot of their stuff has been received. Yeah. Ahsoka, I'm not watching it, so I'm not weighing in on that. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Okay, Sean, top three movie snacks of all time, go. Um, all right, let me think. Uh, popcorn? Obviously. Hmm. Ice cream? That's two. Oh, and uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, of course. Peanut butter and chocolate is a pretty perfect combination. Some may even say the ultimate movie snack. You can't argue with that. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I think now is the time to talk about Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. Let's talk about it. This is the first time we've discussed it on this podcast. That's true. Uh, and really the first time we've talked about it in real life. That's there was right. yesterday I sent you a text message. We, you know, been doing a lot of planning, trying to see all the movies. And I texted Sean to make sure he knew that he had to see it with me. Like, I have to be seated next to you. Right. So, I'll put this right on, on the table. Yeah. Me, my name is Sean Fennessy. I'm not a fan of Taylor Swift. Yeah, we know. I've made this clear in the past. I realize that I now stand on an island of one. That the entire world has come around on Taylor Swift. Yeah, but can I tell you, like, can I give you an interesting point in my journey? Certainly. Um. Which is, it's now gotten to the everyone is on my island, and I'm I'm I only like early period Taylor Swift. Yeah. So you, you've gone punk with Taylor. Yeah, yeah. which is a, an absurd position to be on, and is counterproductive, and it's to the whole Taylor Swift experience. But I don't know. It's like I was there for Red. You know what I mean? I saw that tour twice. And now all you guys are like, I planned my whole summer out eras. And yes, Bobby, I'm looking at you. Welcome to what we built. <laughs> Hold on. So that on. you Incredible. could. Wait, wait, I yeah. wait a damn second. Yeah. I've been there since the very beginning. Okay. As a Swifty. My Swifty card is. All right. Because you were like. Has five. remained active. And that's fine. And I think that's good. And I, I saw. Um, our pal Brian Raftery last night, who, who who did our Vietnam show, and he was talking about just like the truly life affirming experience that he had taking his children mm -hmm. to the Eras tour, and that sounded wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I am sort of sad that I missed that experience. So I'm excited to go with you. Here are my concerns about the Taylor Swift Eras can tour. Can I can I just give you a little context for the film before you share your concerns? Sure. The film is coming out on October 13th. Do you, 13th. you think people listening need context? 
yeah, I think all my letterbox bros might want to hear about what's going on with movies because they they like they may not know that she Taylor Swift planted her flag in the middle of October, which is a very important month for movies. Yes. And said basically like get out of my way. And she did something very unusual, which Matt Bellany has mm-hmm. written about and talked about on his show, where she negotiated a deal directly with the movie theaters to release the film. Right. She's not using a, a studio. A, a incredibly savvy move. I mean, really smart. Yes. Um, and she, you know, her and her team are always very smart about these things. She's such a success because she does things like, I don't need the marketing department of Universal Pictures to sell my movie. I'm me. Mm-hmm. I have my social media, right. which is more than enough. So all of the films that were set to be released on October 13th quickly vacated within a day yeah. that release date. The Exorcist movie, one of the most legendary movies of all time, its fourth film in the series, moved up a week right. so that it could get the number one at the box office before the Taylor film comes in. The pre-sales for the film are extraordinarily high. There's massive anticipation, even amongst people who actually went to the tour. Right. This is a two-hour yes. and 40-minute concert movie. Can I just say something? Yes. Which is like, if all your letterbox bros are letterbox bros and care to cl- claim to care about movies that much mm-hmm. and didn't read one piece or piece of news about this, which was like a huge thing that happened in movie business, you guys are sexist. That's all. And we can keep moving. Okay. This is your own concern. <laughs> you um, I'm, I'm not interested in that debate. But what are the things that worry you about Taylor Swift, the era's tour? Well, I mean, they're just personal issues. I'm really excited to go because I didn't get to go to the actual Eras tour. Okay. And I do like Taylor Swift. Number one, I don't really care about the most recent albums that much. Okay. With the exception of the Bon Iver song, which absolutely rules. Okay. Have you heard that one? No, I haven't heard it. And then I am concerned, and Bobby, you can confirm this. I actually haven't read a lot about the set list, so... I'm excited to discover, but I am assuming that she performs the 10-minute version of All Too Well. She does, yes. I don't think that's a spoiler to say. The 10-minute version of All Too Well is one of the most upsetting things that has happened in the pop culture space to me in the last five years. The original All Too Well is a perfect song. I listened to it again last night on my drive home from dinner. I was just like, you know what? It's time to put this on and sing along and talk like, what a perfect perfect song. And then she just added five minutes of garbage because she's like, what people need are like my unedited scraps. No, we don't. It's so upsetting. Okay. And I've, ne- I, I've never heard the song. You've never? I was wondering this actually. So you've never even heard the original. I Maybe in like a Target. I think that you should listen to it before we go. Okay. The original, not the 10-minute version. Okay. Because then you will be able to understand my anger when she's just like chanting sacred prayer over and over again for two minutes. And I like, and I will just be like, this was perfect and you ruined it. Much like the theme of the song. So in that sense, it's a great meta performance. Whenever but- people start talking about Taylor Swift and her songs, I want to put my head in a vice. <laughs> like there's, that's why I'm not interested. I'm like... I, I thought that was a. I thought you just cooked. That was great. Thanks. Great take. Thanks so much. Really appreciated how sure. clear it was. Yeah. Understood exactly what you meant. But the whole time I was like, "Why is this the most popular thing in the world? <laughs> this is so crazy." Anyway, um, we'll get into that more when we talk about the movie. I'll probably be able to more clearly illuminate my thoughts. And you know what? Maybe I'll like it. I don't think that you will, but we'll have fun. It's going to be an interesting contrast to Stop Making Sense because right. Stop Making Sense was going to be the concert movie event of the fall. It's being re-released in September by A24. It's been remastered in 4K. 
I think all three of us are getting a chance to see it in the very near future, which is very exciting. Um, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm sure I've talked yeah. about it on the pod. Yours Mine too. too. Yeah, we've talked about it before. Um, Rob Harville is going to come on the show. We're going to talk about our favorite concert right. movies. Should be a really fun episode. But now I feel like it kind of got like pushed out of the box a little bit because the Taylor movie is going to make like $180 million. Well, that's okay. I mean, it, it, they're different things. They are. We can have both. Okay. And we can be excited about Stop Making Sense, mm-hmm. you know, and arranged childcare so yep. everyone gets to go. Yep. On their date. And then we can also go see Taylor Swift Eras Tour and be connected to the next generation. We can also see Travis Scott perform in Agro Drift. Yeah. Another concert film by Harmony Corinne shot entirely in infrared. Sure. I think the Eras Tour movie is going to be one of the most insane movie theater experiences that I, I know. That's have. what Sean and I... I think people are truly going to treat it like the concert. we finish recording, we have to... Buy tickets. Buy tickets. We have to plan... Do you think that we should bring friendship bracelets to the movie? Sure. Did you take think, friendship bracelets? Do you know about this? No, and you I, trade no, bracelets no, at the air, yeah at the air store. But what if that. like a you know what, like what happened to our society? <laughs> Why when did everyone what? become eleven years old? What, I think I, actual eleven year olds are doing this. Well, and so that's what I, I was going to say to you. I, it's like what if we go to Burbank or Glendale and there are a bunch of eleven year olds trading friendship bracelets? Well, that's wonderful. And they offer you one, and you have nothing to give them. You think an eleven year old wants to offer me a I friendship guess the, bracelet? I guess they don't. That, that would be creepy horrifying. to you. But what if they offer me one and I don't have any? This is like my Halloween fear. Like times a thousand. The worst thing you that sound could, insane. The worst thing that could happen <laughs> on Halloween is that you don't have any candy, and a little child in a costume knocks on your door, and you have to say, "I'm so sorry, I don't have any so candy." So you have. I didn't study for my test <laughs> nightmares about Halloween. Imagine telling a small robot that you don't have any candy for them. An actual robot? <laughs> no, a, a small, small child, child dressed, dressed as, as a robot. robot. Yes. I, I gotta say, you're really weird. <laughs> that's something you're nervous about? Just go to CVS and get some candy. I do every year. And remember when I lived in the hills and like the, we never got a trick-or-treater <laughs> and I just feasted on the leftover Halloween candy. Yeah. But the idea of one small child being like, please, sir, may I have some candy? And I don't have any candy to give them. Are you, do you live in 18th century London? What are you talking about? You could just tell those kids that you don't believe in Halloween because the devil's not real. That's a good point. it's their fault. That's right. I believe in candy. Uh, Guys, I'm having a really hard time with Knox's Halloween costume this year. (laughs) (laughs) Because, well, no, because I mean, I have like one idea, but it's like my dorky Amanda idea. And then I was like, maybe I should let him be a kid. But he doesn't understand when Halloween is. And he also won't wear anything on his head. Oh, yeah. So that's really limiting any like any animal options, which you know would be he knows what a dog is. He knows he doesn't really know what a dinosaur is. Yeah. Um, can I can I suggest a costume for Knox? Yeah, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's lovely. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll come back to Taylor. There's going to okay. be a lot to say about Taylor. I think that I am probably going to bring a couple friendship bracelets just in okay. case, just so I don't have a Halloween Just in situation. case some young girls who are more excited about seeing the movie than ever want to take their time out from hanging out with their you, friends to offer you, you a friendship bracelet. You trade friendship bracelets with everyone around you. Like, that's the whole exercise. Cool. It's a, it's actually a nice thing. What if Alice went to a concert and then made I'd say, friends? i love what you and, love. I respect it. And traded friendship bracelets. I, that and sounds you would, nice. Yeah, that sounds I'm really lovely. I'm a 41 lovely. year old man. The, okay. like the, the 40 year old, your 41 year old men in the world who are just like I'm crying because of the new Taylor album is out that she re-recorded. I'm like, guys, just like walk off a bridge. What are you talking about? 
Get it together. Hold it together for crying out loud. I think that's a valid position. Okay, thank you. But I am preparing for my own experience. Okay. And I don't want to not be able to exchange friendship bracelets with children. Even at my, like, most pathetic idolatry, I'm not, like, falling to my knees crying because there's a new song on Spotify. Like, that sort of thing is, like, quite weird to me. I don't know. The... When the Kanye Good Fridays thing was happening, like... But that was just me texting my friends and being no, like, this is dope. Twitter existed. And you guys were like all wilding out a little bit. And that's fine. It was a okay. different It was a okay. different time. And that was you're a not, good time. And you're not responsible for anything that's happened since. It's just <laughs> like, don't forget what that I'm on the record like. about all that stuff. No, so it's I, fine. You can, you can go through I'm my actually, research. I'm not accusing you of anything. I am just saying <laughs> that there was an energy there. You know? I... That happened to me. That happened at me. Okay. That's how I feel about all that stuff. Okay. Um, well, then just like, why don't you let it happen at young women I am. who are discovering themselves and discovering I'm the I'm not power taking it away from them. Okay. I'm not taking their friendship bracelets from them. Okay. I'm, I'm saying for me. We could get like a million views on a YouTube video of me and Amanda teaching you how to be a Swifty for this, for this <laughs> movie. Like... Just putting you what through you wear? like a training montage with lyric sheets teaching you how to sing along to it the different songs. All the call with and that response video stuff. of that Russian politician doing that shot of poison <laughs> and killing himself. I mean, that's the that's how. What it will end. you What will you wear to the Eras Tour movie? Um, two piece bathing suit. <laughs> 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 I'm not. I'm gonna wear a pair of green pants and a blue button down, like I wear every fucking day. <laughs> What do you okay. expect? Okay. I just, what do you think I should wear? I would. What should I wear? Should I wear a beer helmet? She doesn't give guidelines, <laughs> right? Like Beyonce? No, she doesn't give like specific guidelines, but a lot of people took it as like, I dressed up as an era. You know, like oh, you that's pick right. oh, my God. And, uh, clothing that goes oh, along well, with just, how she sort of dressed in Plaid that different era. Days, you know? You're going to wear a hat? Should you wear like a big hat, top hat in yeah. the theater for the red era? Yeah. I'm going to dress not, up like Super Mario. I'm going to have like big red overalls on no, and a tool belt. <laughs> no, I'll like do the <laughs> big wrench in my hand. <laughs> Am I in the right movie? <laughs> you just sit there in silence for two hours and forty minutes. When is the like movie waiting start? For the Super Mario Bros. movie to start. <laughs> oh man, let's talk about some other movies, okay? <laughs> um, are you gonna go see the creator? <sighs> I'm so. I thank you for talking about this with me in a public space. So. <laughs> <laughs> What? We have to make content. As you said, we're back. You know we're, we're back. You're nuts and we're back. Yeah. Well, I find the I find the trailer very upsetting. Yeah, sure. Because that child, it's a robot child, yeah. but it that needs, film's about my daughter. It needs yeah. love too. So yeah. you think that that the the creator baby is a Swifty? Probably. <laughs> okay. What if like the big emotional climax of the creator is like the creator baby just like blasting "Speak Now" to yeah. defeat the enemies? It's all too well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this, so this is a new science fiction film from Gareth Edwards, who directed right. Rogue One and Godzilla. Yes, and it stars John David Washington, who I'm a big fan of, and it seems emotionally manipulative and also, but like fully conceptually realized, at least in the trailer. It's a good trailer. It looks it's an really effective good. trailer. It looks really good. So I'm torn between being really interested in supporting John David Washington and original movies, and also uh, em- emotional pain. It struck me as a good use of his talents. I'm not seeing it till next week. Um, I don't want to say there's like a lot riding on this movie, but an original mm-hmm. science fiction story with a big budget is something that we don't get very often. I felt like this 
kind of intrinsic desire to support it, even if it's not good, which is a weird thing that I have to deal with in my life. Right. But um, I'm very, I'm very interested in this movie. Um, I can't say for sure whether it's going to be great, but I, you know, it's also a movie about AI, and obviously that's a pretty meaningful yeah, that, discussion point in our world right now. I'm out on that generally, right, but right. but yes, it's quote-unquote timely. What do you think about the fact that MI7, Heart of Stone, and the creator are all driving towards that issue? Am I, oh, MI7, right. I didn't like that part of the plot, as you recall. I thought it was nonsense. But hey, I went by the palace where they throw that weird AI party every day in Venice. Okay. It's right there, just on the water, there for you. I just went right where Tom Cruise is running so beautifully. Saw it. Thought of him. Did you stab anyone on that bridge? <laughs> I didn't. Okay. I told you, I try, I thought about going to that bridge, but then I had to see another bridge and it was too crowded. You know what's so crazy? Barbie is already available on VOD and I don't think Mission Impossible 7 is coming out for like two more months on yeah. VOD. They just misread the it's, entire landscape. It was a big mistake. It's a shame. It was a big mistake. You want to talk about, like, we didn't mention Leave the World Behind in our last sort of conversation about the Oscars power rankings. Right. That, this is like the big mystery Right, and it's now, it's opening the AFI Fest here in Los Angeles in November. Yes, this is Sam Esmail's second feature film. Right. Our friend Sam. Last year at the AFI Fest was The Fablemans. Well, Fablemans had done Toronto as well. What did any, what premiered? Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, that's right. Ciao, Papa. I was there. My wife and I were at that screening with Guillermo. Um, So that is like a... That's the last kind of big premiere spot for the Oscar season. I mean, I couldn't be more excited for this film. And I want to know nothing about it. Same. Haven't read um, the book. Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, Ethan Hawke. And, and our friend, Harold. right. Yeah. And our friend, Sam Esmail. And Sam wrote and directed it, adapted it. And spent a lot of time picking the house. Very excited about it. Um, it's pr- pretty high on my list, in part because there's nothing out there about it. It's yeah. not one of these movies where it's like 9,000 people saw it at TIFF. Um, People saw, a lot of people saw May, December at Cannes, and now it is showing once again at the New York Film Festival at the end of this month. This is the new from from Todd Haynes, Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore, and Charles Melton, Mm -hmm. the Riverdale fame. Um, A a, a film that is sort of, seems somewhat inspired by the Mary Kay Letourneau story, Mm -hmm. uh, but played as like kind of an arch melodrama. Todd Haynes, maybe closer to his Far From Heaven style of filmmaking, a little different from where he's been the last few years. Todd, I think, has been on this show three, maybe even four times. One of my absolute favorite filmmakers, one of my favorite people to talk to. Um, this movie's going to be on Netflix, I think on December 1st. That sounds right. It's a lot of movies, like every week on Netflix. I mean, Leave the World Behind is going to be on Netflix December 8th. Like This is this is what they do. This is what they do. Um, and did you I, see they acquired the Anna Kendrick film out of TIFF as I well? I did see that. I mean, they had a majority of the films at the Venice Film Festival because I think, especially with the strike and promotion, they're the only place that's just kind of, their their release model is slightly different. The the way that they rely on promotion is slightly different, sometimes to our chagrin, um, because it seems like people aren't as aware of mm-hmm. these things. But right now, it's a pretty wide lane. And so it's just Netflix. So they also just every year release a huge number of movies and they start at the festivals and then the rest of the world has to wait like four months and sees them in November and December. And I don't know whether that's always the most effective Oscar strategy. It's a good, it's a really good question. I've, I've been thinking about it a lot because the the paths are kind of cleared in many ways for Netflix, Amazon, and Apple this year. 
in terms of being able to get their movies out into the world the way they want to, and in terms of the Oscar race. I think that they are, they benefit from the strikes in a perverse way. Right. And they, but they have an incredible succession of movies coming out. Every single week is an anticipated awards movie for about 10 weeks. And you're right. Maybe in some cases that's good. Maybe in some cases that's not so good. Maybe things get lost. Maybe people move on. We saw the power of something like Oppenheimer playing for weeks and weeks in movie theaters and implanting itself into the minds of Academy voters and, you know, just the general movie-going audience, of course. I'm I'm quite curious, like, what it means when you get um, the killer closely followed by May-December, closely followed by Leave the World Behind after you've released a Wes Anderson short, after you've released Rustin, after you've released Nyad. Don't forget Maestro. Maestro at the, at the end of December. So... That's a lot of heavyweight stuff. Um, nevertheless, new Todd Haynes movie, so that's exciting. Um, it's playing at the Newport Beach Film Festival on Sunday night. Would you like to go? Do you, uh, no. Do you do you think <laughs> you're going to go? If it were Saturday night, I would think about whether I could get a, a family beach trip out of it. On Saturday night, I'm actually seeing a movie that's on this list, which is called Dumb Money, which is opening oh, in that's right. limited release on the 15th today, Friday the 15th. And playing for two weeks in limited release and then opening wide on September 29th. This is the new film that chronicles the kind of GameStop trading controversy starring Paul Dano, Seth Rogen, Nick Offerman, Pete Davidson. Who else is in that movie? A lot of people. Directed by Craig Gillespie, who made I, Tanya, who made the Cruella film. Um, not my favorite director in the world, honestly. But this is a garbage cash movie. Yeah. I'm excited for Garbage Cash. Me too. I'm excited for this film as well. I'm seeing it next week. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I love Paul Dano, as you know. Um, it's obviously a very interesting story, what transpired. I can't believe that this movie's already here, you Feel, know? It feels like it came fast. Because that GameStop, you know, fiasco happened, like, right in the middle of COVID. And I just remember, I have such, like, a sense memory of watching all this go down mm -hmm. while never leaving my home. And it feels very close and also, like, a world away. It's, I mean, you know, time and life are strange. Great insights from Amanda Dobbins on this podcast. Uh, but it does seem like it happened fast. I, I don't know if this is an Academy film, but it could be just entertaining. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity, the unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue, a surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. Okay, we're coming back. Amanda's been shoveling gummy bears in her mouth. Just one. Just one. And it wasn't a bear. I think it was a snake. I bought this package of gummies uh, in the Paris Charles de Gaulle airport on my layover while watching a video for, um, that Austin Butler made for a YSL fragrance play on loop for like two and a half hours. It was a really disorienting time. Interesting. Thanks for sharing all that. <laughs> Let's talk about the last couple of movies. We're down to the end here. We, by the way, you just completely abandoned a ranking system here. Did I? Or have I been doing it all in my head while we've been discussing things? Or did the list I made here, is it perfect? Well, you're not presenting the list you made in order. 
Oh, we'll get to the end of the pod. Where's it? Why don't we have a trailer for anyone but you? This is a great question. This is the new Glenn Powell, Sydney Sweeney rom-com. Old-fashioned, old-school, two young stars. Let's put them together and let sparks fly rom-com. So it's released in December, and we have trailers for... We have an Aquaman trailer, which well, releases the week after anyone but you, which I believe just, is December 15th. We just got it today, mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone's feeling good about it. Uh, No. It's right. not on my list, Aquaman 2. Yeah. Actually, I enjoyed the first Aquaman quite a bit, and I like James Wan as a filmmaker, but the things at DC are in a difficult spot right so now. So is everyone... Is there like a trailer committee or cabal where they're all sitting in a room yeah. and being I'm like, vice chairman, yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, I am. Because um, I don't think you're making decisions on when they're releasing trailers. And that's what I'm oh, asking. Are they all coordinating and deciding, okay, you can have this day, you yeah. can have this day. Are they at war against each other? Is it like a duplicity yeah. situation? Biden, Kevin McCarthy. Okay. Well, Nancy Pelosi is there. Clarence Thomas, he serves. I assume they're waiting for a window. Okay. Um, is you... No, Euphoria is not coming back it's anytime coming back soon. Until at least next year. Um, but probably more like 25. I guess they're waiting for, well. Well, we discussed Hitman earlier. Right. And Hitman currently, despite it being very widely praised at Venice and TIFF, does not have a distribution. Mm-hmm. It has not sold anywhere. So I don't, that movie would be pretty high on our list here. But I wonder if Glenn Powell having another movie is a good thing or a bad thing. If anyone acquires it, would they try to rush it out this year? Would they look at it more as a, like, if it's not an Oscar movie, is it more of a spring or summer movie? I'm not really right. sure. You've got to think that Glenn Powell's and, and Sydney Sweeney's availability to promote these movies, mm-hmm. it, like, whether they do it together or separately, because they, they got that part of the marketing down um, intentionally or not. You're saying they're alleged... Um, uh, well, that was that was a week of coverage union? of uh, of that movie, so I thought that was perfectly played, whether they meant to or not. Um, but you have to figure that their av- availability to promote is factoring into when this movie is released. Would you, I mean, would you release this movie if they can't make any appearances? That's a really good question. I, I'm not sure if Glenn is like necessarily fully moving the needle, but Sydney Sweeney probably is. Right. Because she has such a, and a an impassioned following. He is say. he is great on press tours. So once you oh, get yeah, him out there, awesome. you know? Yeah, he's awesome. So I wonder if that's part of the reason we haven't seen the trailer. You think and it might then, get pushed? Well, it's scheduled for December now. I you know we Can I tell you the vibe in Hollywood right yeah, now? Yeah, I was gonna say we haven't done I've a had. strike check in in a while. Uh just on the handful of conversations I've had this week, everybody's just like this isn't happening until January. Yeah. That's really bad. You know, that's not reporting. That's idle speculation from people I've talked to. But that's three months from now. And there's a lot that's going to happen in the world. That's a long time for people to be not working. Right. Um, So hopefully that's not the case. But a movie like this is actually kind of an interesting test case. Because I think you're 100% right. You really want to have your young stars promoting the movie. Especially if they're having an alleged affair. (laughs) That actually helps. Is seeing them canoodle on the red (laughs) carpet. Um... I don't know. Would I release it? Probably not. Yeah, but I also I I want to see it. I desperately want to see it. But so, I but I also want them to get to have their moment. I mean, first of all, you just can't sell a rom-com without the stars. Yeah. You know, like you need to be invested in the two people when you walk into the theater. When you watch You've Got Mail, do mm-hmm. you think about 
how exciting it is that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan have had sex? Like, is that something <laughs> that you think about when you're, you know, loving a movie like that? Okay. Are you asking me whether I'm thinking about the actors? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. Like, wh- what? Well, because what's, what Sidney Sweeney and Glenn Powell are doing is, is feels weirdly unique. No, it doesn't. Well, the biggest rom-coms, the idea of these people getting together is exciting, but you're not like, right. in real life, they boned. This is more like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith situation. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Where it's okay. like the real life and the, is it going to reflect on the thing? With a little bit of like, don't worry, okay. darling, thrown in of just like... What's that? Tab- <laughs> like tabloid, like Zapruder readings of everything okay. that's that's going on and people denying things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that brings in energy. But also... It's not that it's not that you're speculating about whether the stars have had sex in real life always, but if you don't believe in the chemistry, if it's not apparent like pretty much instantly or at least in a trailer, then it's not going to work. What rom-com pairing had the most heat between them? The most like sexual chemistry? Mm-hmm. You can't say Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn or no, Bogey no, no, and no, Paul. I know, like, I not know. people who actually no, were together. I'm I'm thinking through it. Um, I mean, that's kind of not what it is. That's what I'm saying. That's what feels different. Yeah. Because anyone but you is being framed as a kind of traditional rom-com structure. Two people who kind of right. like each other, and then all of a sudden they find themselves together, right? That's what's going to happen. Right. So the idea of, like, these people fuck is is kind of a revolution. Yes, it is. Like, is there even an indication of sex and you've got male? No, but the Nora Ephron movies in particular, like I'm thinking through, there's plenty of sex in Nancy Myers movies. It's just that's true. sex of people over 40. Yeah. And so then it's almost played for laughs. Good representation, though. Um, <laughs> congratulations to you that you're in that in that <laughs> box now. <laughs> um, but you know what? I, now you understand why I representation matters. I think I'm the matters. exact age of Dr. Keanu Reeves. Is he 41 I, in I, that I, movie? I honestly have no idea. Uh he is he is so wonderful in that movie. It's yep. really important. Um, it's the right choice that she doesn't choose him, but it you know with every year that I age, it gets harder. Didn't ask for um, rewatchables <laughs> about that movie. Well, I'm never gonna get a real one. <laughs> you might, you might. Bill tried to give away uh, Diane Keaton's Oscar nomination for that movie on the Lost in Translation podcast. I heard, I, I heard. And I thought I, that I, I felt for you. I thought that was rude. Um. No, I think that there there are plenty of rom-coms with, I, I think probably all the McConaughey-Kate Hudson ones have like undertones of that. And then all of the, a lot of the Ryan Reynolds ones. Like this the is proposal. the most serious you're taking any questions <laughs> I have asked on this pod, including do you believe in Satan? I was very clear that I don't really believe in Satan. I know, you, know? you, you were flip about it. And now you're like... You are you are Oppenheimer right now. I don't listening get an, to proposals. I don't get an opportunity to talk about this with anyone ever. You okay. know, so okay. I just You're welcome. I have to take seize the moment. Okay. You know, great. Happy I'm living out loud. So it's just more that my like I also really like the Richard Curtis rom coms, but yeah, they don't no sex in those. Movies. Yeah, they don't have. Oh, uh, Four Weddings is a little horny. Yeah. But like on the, but not the Hugh Grant character. It's like all the other people are are um, part of the problem is that he doesn't really know how to have sex. And when he and Andy McDowell do have sex, it's like it's pretty British and awkward. Okay. Um, working girl. Hmm. There's you know Harrison Ford's bringing it a little. Okay. Is that a rom com? Sort of. Not 
totally. It's not like in the pure sense. Okay. But I'm just, you You asked a question and I'm here to free associate with you. How do I pivot this conversation <laughs> to the film The Color Purple? Can that be done? <laughs> I'm usually good at transitions. Do you think The Color From red to purple. Well, no, I was going to say, do you think The Color Purple will be released? Purple is another word I just have a very hard time saying, the double R. Purple. Purple. Purple is uh, Alice's, Alice's favorite, favorite color. color. Yeah. I I do think it will be released. Um, okay. I do think it's a very, very strong contender. I think I mentioned this when we talked about um, our trips to Venice and Telluride, that there's not a movie that is at all like this um, that is in the Oscar race right now. I guess maybe Wonka to some extent because of the musical quality, but the story that's being told, the performers in the, in the movie... Um, our expectations around it. You know, for me, contemporary musicals, I just have been really struggling with. And so this, for the, the same doubts I have about Wonka, I kind of have about The Color Purple. Um, but it is a big movie. I think it's a huge movie for Warner Brothers. Um, there's a lot of expectation around that cast. Fantasia Barino, this is easily her biggest lead role that she's ever had as an OG American Idol guy. OG. Mm-hmm. We know. We we read the AIM chats. Yeah, I was. Thank you so much for your support. Vibe.com, <laughs> shout out, 2006, me and John Caramonica. Um, we were both very into Fantasia. Mm-hmm. She was an electric performer. I mean, this cast is absolutely stacked. Read it off. Fantasia Barino, Taraji P. Henson, Danielle Brooks, Coleman Domingo, Corey Hawkins, Her, Ciara, Anjanue Ellis, David Allen Greer, like John Batiste is parent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a big movie. I think it's going to come out for sure. Um, I have my doubts, but I definitely want to Hallie see Hallie Bailey, sorry. Hallie Bailey. I think the only other movie I've got on here that we haven't had a chance to talk about, we did mention American Fiction with mm-hmm. Adam when he was on. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, is The Iron Claw, which is a movie that I drafted in the auction. Mm-hmm. Sean Durkin movie, A24, about the Von Erich family, a family of true story of the family of professional wrestlers who have experienced some incredible and very sad tragedy um, that stars Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White. Um, among other people. I'm a Richie girl in a Yes Chef world, so, you know. A Richie girl? Yeah. Hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Was that just because of the way that his story concluded at the end of no, season two? No, from the minute he shows up in oh the first God. episode and is yelling at all those nerds uh, to about whatever game they're about to play, he had me. It's interesting because, you know, your husband, who I love dearly, who's like, I think one of the deep, like most sincere good people in the world, yeah. like, really has come through for me so many times in my life, uh, is does not have like scumbag energy. But you have a little bit of a like, what's going on with that scumbag? <laughs> sure. You know, <laughs> yes. I'm curious. It's like, if we're going to shake things up, let's shake it up. But Richie is like getting a bar fight, break his hand, then get... There was a time... I mean, Zach wouldn't get in a bar fight. Right. But, like... But he can be a little, well, he he little ornery. Yeah, he yeah be a little before. Ornery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. he... Like, he is yeah. He is from Philly. But you, So you think that there's, like, his heart is true for Richie and for Zach. Like, there's some commonality there. Yeah, I do. And I just... It's like... Yes, yeah, Chef is... is a charming and lovely story, but it's like a little too like letterbox for food for me, you know? The whole series, you mean? No, no, no. Like his vibe. And that's why oh, I'm more Jeremy like, Allen White's Carmi. Carmi is, Carmi yeah, is like I a see. little too. I see. I see. So that's that's why I'm I'm on on Richie Island. I think I relate most closely to Bernthal's character. <laughs> great. Okay. Uh, <laughs> great. That's such a great show. Can't wait it's for it to wonderful. Come back yeah. That show. Iowa Beery, what a year for her. She really is unreal. Taking off. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. 
I think that's all the mo- Oh, I didn't mention Freud's last session, which is the wife of 2023. Okay. Uh, I haven't heard a word about this other, other than <laughs> it's about Freud. Sony Pictures Classics putting it out. Um, Anthony Hopkins is in it. Matthew yeah. Good. Love Matthew Good. Did you know, did you notice? You did because you also enjoyed Downton Abbey too. I did. They couldn't get him for one day. Remind me who he played again. I forget. He is Lady Mary's new husband. Oh, right. But he likes to race cars. So he's off, you know, racing cars. And so Hugh Dancy, the filmmaker, shoots his shot. I told you about meeting Michelle Dockery in person. No. When I was working at GQ, she came up to the office for just a little meet and greet. Yeah. Stunning. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Just This is a knockout. Maybe one of the 10 most beautiful people I've ever seen in person. If they made a Downton Abbey movie every week, would it watch. would be television and I would watch it again. Yeah. I would same. I enjoy. I really enjoyed. Dan That's Abbey what I too. had to say. There was literally no discourse. Like all the discourse no. was in the dining room at the Angelica Film Center. That was the only place you could talk about that movie in America. But it, I honestly thought it was fine. Thought it was pretty good. I watched it with my mother in Atlanta on Peacock, and we had a wonderful time. That's why people come to this show is for the recommendations of the great works, like <laughs> Down Abbey Two. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Oh, anything else you want to say? I'm excited about films. I'm excited for you to see a lot of the movies that I have seen. Likewise. likewise. And then we can talk about You'll be them. seeing one of them in 24 hours. Yes. Um, and I just want to say to anyone listening with, uh, with the power, I'm available to see the rest of the movies. Just let me know. So you are attempting to acquire beauty products from this show? Kampa- no one Campari from, from this show? The Campari's going great. Okay. Campari, I love you. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's still disgusting. an unofficial sponsorship. You're disgusting to but me. But that's Wait. it's fine. No one from Merit Beauty knows I exist. Uh-huh. And and I would like to see movies, yes. But I won't be accepting money for seeing these movies. It's my job. So I'd like to do my job. That's what I'm asking to okay. do. Who else would you like to speak to the U.S. <laughs> Department of Defense? Is there anyone else you'd like to directly address as we get to the end of this episode? If anyone has suggestions for the the correct era's movie wardrobe. Let me know. Okay. It's a good call. Yeah. I uh, will not be wearing anything except my usual uniform to that okay, movie. Great. Just so you know. I'm going to bring a positive attitude to it, though. I promise you. That's exciting. Mm, that's really all I can promise. Okay. If it's ruined. We actually, film. when we stop recording, we do need to buy tickets. Okay. It's playing everywhere, but, you know, we have to see it that first weekend, right? I'll, uh, yes, and I'll leave it to you. Okay. Great. <laughs> Bobby, thanks so much for your help on this episode. Thank you for believing in Satan. Really appreciate that. Um, that's Bobby Wagner. He's our producer. Yeah. I'm a Mets fan. How could I not believe in that's Satan? That's exactly right. Follow me around my whole life. What are you talking about? Max Scherzer out for the season and for the playoffs. We did it. Luis Angel Acuna. That's good. That Is trade that worked out. Want? We did it. Yeah, he got traded. Wait, oh, he's not a Met anymore? No, you he guys... was traded at the deadline. Oh, and he was a loser who lost in every big spot oh, that he ever faced. Can he's I, a loser. Stop. Can Don't I tell you guys? You're a loser, Max. A, t- a tough thing that's Leave been happening in fan. my house. Because Knox really likes, he just likes watching sports because he says ball a lot. <laughs> so we've turned on the... <laughs> he's just like me. He's just no, he's like just, me. He's just like ball. He's a man. <laughs> um, so we turned on the Phillies Braves series. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that I was really respectful mm-hmm. of my husband's process. And was just like, we got to watch the Phillies. And can you say go Phillies? And and I betrayed nothing. And the Phillies lost to the Braves like every every day. And we watched the Phillies clench the pennant last night. Don't get me wrong. I 
desperately want the entire Braves organization to be put in prison immediately. Yeah. However, you have the right to make your son a Braves fan, which would be a good move. No, it wouldn't. Don't do that. No. Are you serious? They're like the 27 Yankees right now. (laughs) We we have to take everything possible away from them. Knox is going to be a great successful man. We can't give the Braves Knox what, as make well. him a Phillies fan? But no, Dodgers. I'd fan. rather have that. Dodgers I'd rather have that. I wish that they made baby Philly fanatic costumes. Oh, that would be an amazing <laughs> they, Halloween costume. They, but I don't think they sell them. Maybe they do. They don't sell adult-sized Philly fanatic costumes, which <laughs> yeah. is tough because I thought we could do that for like mine. a birthday yeah. party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Chris as a Philly fanatic at Knox's birthday party. Come on, we got to make it happen. If anyone knows anyone at the Phillies, get in touch. Truly, Listen, is... I'm going back to my parents' house this weekend. Do you think I should just try to steal the actual one and give it to <laughs> yeah. Chris? That's actually a good idea for a movie. Break Kidnapping the, the Philly Bank fanatic. Park. Oh my God. Yeah. Fanatic, that's the name of the movie. PH. Okay, that sounds great. great. Uh, okay, well, Bob, thanks so much for your, uh, your help here. You're very welcome. So next week, we're going to be digging into A Haunting in Venice. This is the third film in Kenneth Branagh's Hercule Poirot, I guess, trilogy. Who knows? Maybe he'll make 400 of these movies. There are many Agatha Christie books. What Do you know the name of the book that this one's based on? I know. It's like a Halloween party or something like that. I never read this one. Um, but I'm seeing it. You're seeing it. My wife is seeing it. Number two Agatha Christie fan. Yeah. Um, and we're, as you said, we're going to talk about I'm going to send you some reading as well. Okay. A London review of books piece. So we can discuss Agatha Christie. Uh, about like Afghanistan? No, it's, about, it's, about? it's about Agatha Christie. Okay. Uh, interesting. Uh, we're also going to talk about our favorite haunted house movie. So this should be a fun one for yeah. both of us. We'll see you then. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.